Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. This week we're looking at how the church should function, how it should perform. We looked yesterday at the ministries in the church who said how there should be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, quoting the verse from Ephesians 4. So, Colin, what is the ideal leadership structure that a church should should put in place? Yes, I said that all, f- the, all five of those, that, that every church is to be under the influence of all five of the ministries. There won't be apostles and prophets in every church, but... Um, you know, they they should be the this input, this apostolic and prophetic input into any church. The apostle provides a breakthrough. He has a breakthrough ministry. He will enable uh, those people to break through to a new place in God. And then the pastoral team in the church is, is to see that outworked then in the life of the congregation. There's a lot more I could say about that. But leadership. Okay, what is a spiritual leader? First of all, we must understand that you do not get your leadership qualities by being put into a position. You know, um, there are lots of people that want to be positioned. Actually, some people want to be priests. They want to be pastors. They want some status position in the church. Let me tell you, having the position does not give you the anointing. Uh, what uh, the nearest that the New Testament comes to a, a definition of leadership is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we know that latter verse, verse 8, very well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you take it in its context, it's actually referring to leaders giving the example by their lives and through their faith that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday and will always be the same. So uh, a true spiritual leader is someone who speaks the word of God. He preaches the word of God. He doesn't preach his own ideas. He doesn't preach modern existentialism. He He speaks the word of God. He speaks the truth of of the word of God into the life of his people. He's making a people of the word, a people of the spirit. Uh, He demonstrates how to live that word. He is an example. He is leading by example. He's not leading from the pulpit. He's leading by example. And he has a faith that can be imitated. Faith is contagious. Where there is faith, people will catch faith. Where they see faith operating, they will begin to operate in faith. Uh, so it's, it's very important that we understand that whether people are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers, these qualities are to be seen in all of them. Now, Um, Paul gives certain instructions about leadership. Uh, Different churches, different denominations, streams have interpreted the various words like presbyter and deacon and bishop and so on in in different ways, which is very complicating and elder and so on. Um, Let's try to simplify the thing as, as much as possible. 
What is important is that no matter what the position of leadership, that we are fulfilling these scriptural principles. And Paul says again that those that are in leadership are to lead exemplary lives because they are to be an example, um, that they run their families well. Otherwise, how can they look after the family of the church if they can't even give a good example in their own family life? So, I mean, I can remember when I was first ordained, if anybody got divorced, that was the end of their ministry. Um, nobody, Do you think that's right? Nobody would even think of listening to them. Well, not necessarily because you can now be divorced against your will and when you were not necessarily um, really responsible for the breakdown of the marriage. You know, if you have a wife or a husband that goes off with someone else, um, you know, there are innocent and guilty parties today in a way that there wasn't before the divorce law was changed. But um, nevertheless, the way you bring your children up um, is important if you're to be in leadership, in eldership in any way in the church. So um, this is, an, again, a biblical principle that your family will um, demonstrate good godly qualities. I can praise God. I've got a wonderful, wonderful family. They all know the Lord. They all love the Lord. All my children, all my grandchildren, all my children become pastors. Uh, they all love the Lord. They're all serving him. They're all faithful to him. Uh, that's wonderful, and I thank God for it. I praise him for his grace at work in their lives. But it's important if I'm to be a leader in the church that I, I can say that. Um, and and um, so this is another biblical principle. Um, you know, by their fruit you will know them. So I, I'm not seeking to bring anybody into condemnation. I'm just saying let us look at what the Scriptures say church is and let us seek to become what the Scriptures say we are to become. But are you suggesting that scripturally... It's clear that if a leader or an elder does have problems in his family, he should step down? Uh, I think sometimes he should step down for a period of time, certainly, uh, so that he can devote himself to sorting out those issues. Yes, I, I really believe that's, that's the case. Um, because, um, you know, events can happen where people get very wounded and... You don't want to be ministering to others out of your woundedness. And sometimes, you know, people need to step down for a time of healing, for a time when they can just be set apart to be with God, to meet with God, to be restored when they have gone through very traumatic events. And I think that is something that ought to be understood by churches. You know, I think they ought to support their pastors if they've gone through some traumatic time like that. They should say, why don't you have three months off? We'll look after you, we'll care for you, we'll finance you, and um, you know, just take the time out that you need. And you could say, well, you know, other people have to get on with it and get over life. Yes, but they're not responsible for the spiritual needs and they're not dealing with the all the emotional things in, in other people's lives. Um, it does depend upon the circumstances and it does depend upon the individual people because some can ride these things much better than others. The wisdom being that it weakens the church if you have weak leaders. Yes, I think this is 
part of, of, of the love, you see, because the culture in any church, and I'm going to be talking about this more later in the week, you know, what is the ethos of a true church to be? But the culture, the ethos of a church is to be love. And therefore, um, you know, a congregation has got to love the pastor and love the leaders just as much as they have got to love the people. But, you know, the thing that has really gone wrong in the history of the church is you, you have this one-man ministry. You've got the guy up front who's supposed to do everything. And you don't have a, a kind of corporate leadership. Uh, I don't mean that you have leadership by consensus. There always must be the leader of the leaders. Never works in any other way. You know, when you have a group of people all with equal status, never works, never works. It's always a recipe for disaster confusion. The church can't move on like that. You've got to have a clear leader with clear vision from God, um, clear anointing to lead those people, but he needs to be well supported by other leaders. Uh, one, of the, one of the damaging things in the life of the church these days is that there are so many leaders that are insecure uh, because they recognize the lack of anointing uh, or a lack of confidence that they have um, in their ministries. Therefore, they're afraid to raise others up. They're afraid to give space to others. I can thank God that I'm surrounded by a group of very strong people, strong in their ministries, but that's because I'm not threatened by them. Uh, I know my anointing. I know my calling. My confidence is in God. And, um, okay, occasionally somebody may abuse the authority that they're given. Unfortunately, humanly speaking, that can happen. It's happened to me two or three times in the history of my ministry. But um, uh, you still raise up strong people around you because if you're going to be a strategic church, you will need a group of strong leaders, not just one man. I can just uh, hear some of those one-man bands now listening, picking up their ears and saying, oh, yes, now he's talking about us. What can they do, Colin? So much is expected of them. You're saying they must encourage others to come alongside them. Well, you see, um, what is the most significant thing in leadership? It's, it's relationship with God, the pastor, the leaders, all the leaders, relationship with God, because... I always say any minister of the gospel is only as good as his relationship with the Lord because all of us minister out of our relationship with the Lord. I mean, I hear these horrific statistics that, you know, a large percent of ministers only pray for five minutes a day. Well, you can almost write their ministries off. I mean, there may be nice people, they may be very loving and very caring, in one level, but as far as building the church and seeing God's people grow and develop in the things of God, you can almost write them off because there's no way that you can fulfill what God calls you to be as a church leader if all you do is pray for five minutes a day. I mean, it's just not possible because it's only by dependence upon God. It's only by the Holy Spirit speaking through and working in and through us that we can possibly lead God's people in the way that he intends. So that's something that I believe pastors really have to face. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 